A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Conversations on Dance is proud to have Yumiko as a continued partner in 2021. Yumiko is a company inspired by beauty and standards. As a leader in the dancewear industry, they take great pride in their impact as a socially and environmentally conscious brand. This month, Yumiko introduced six new mesh tones available for all personalized pieces. And as a summer celebration, Yumiko is offering a special in-store discount to our New York City listeners. Show that you are subscribed to Conversations on Dance at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your in-store purchase. Visit yumiko.com for store hours, and be sure to follow along on Instagram, at yumiko, to stay up to date. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today on Conversations on Dance, we are joined by Esteban Hernandez, principal dancer with the San Francisco Ballet. Esteban talks to us about training with his father and siblings, moving abroad at a young age to study ballet, and how he found his dream company in San Francisco Ballet. Esteban will be making his return to the stage on August 13th and 14th at the Frost Amphitheater for Stanford University's Stanford Live series. Tickets are available at live.stanford.edu or in the link in our episode description. Uh, Esteban, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, a week before you're about to get back on stage, so it must be a pretty exciting time for you. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about your history in Bali, like your family history. It's really an interesting story, you know, um, a really inspiring um, origin story for your for why you're a dancer. So tell us a little bit about um, your family's relationship and history with ballet. Uh, yeah, uh, well, first, uh, like I said, thank you for, for having me. It, it's so exciting to be able to, to share this uh, with, with both of you. Um, yeah, uh, I come from a very big family. Uh, I am uh, one of 11 uh, siblings, uh, and uh, both of my parents uh, were dancers. Um, my, my father danced, uh, he started dancing when he was, uh, 16. So he was older. Uh, he, it was a very dramatic, uh, story cause he, um, his, uh, parents didn't necessarily support the idea of him uh, being a dancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, kind of ran away from home to pursue his dream. Uh, he is originally from Monterrey uh, in the north of Mexico. And uh, he got on a bus and made it to Mexico City to try to find some uh, training, uh, which he did. Uh, he studied there for, for a little bit and came into, in, into contact with uh, several prominent dance figures at the time, uh, one of them being uh, Rudolf Nureyev. Uh, and uh, Nuriev suggested that uh, he try uh, his luck in New York. And, you know, my, my father at the time was like, New York seemed like such a far away dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but he did. Anyways, he, he ended up uh, at Harkness uh, in New York. And uh, eventually he danced uh, at Alvin Ailey and then City of Harlem. Uh, so he did uh he kind of danced in several places uh fast forward several years 
uh, and 11 children later. <laughs> That's wild. Um, yeah. Uh, she had uh, kind of left uh, the dance world uh, behind and, uh, you know, it got to a point where, I mean, there wasn't 11 of us yet. I think there were, uh, there were maybe eight, uh, Only nine eight. of us at the no. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, we we were all homeschooled, you know. It's uh, it's difficult to afford education for uh, eleven children, uh, and uh, my parents have always believed that there are other ways of doing things, uh, like other than like the standard kind of mm-hmm. uh, way of doing things. Uh, so they uh, explored the idea of homeschooling, uh, which was really. I mean, for for me, it's it's all I ever knew. Mm-hmm. So to me, it felt very natural, very normal. Uh, we had a tutor that used to come uh, teach us in the mornings, uh, like our schoolwork and all of those things. Uh, and then, as a way to kind of like uh, as a way of like physical education, that that's where dance first came into the picture. Mm-hmm. It came into the in, into the picture as this way of like. Um, uh, getting our energy out. Uh, uh, was was this in Mexico now? Did your dad, so your dad was in New York and then did he come yes. back to Mexico? Okay. Yes, this was, sorry, I, I guess I didn't clarify. Uh, oh, this cool. was in, in my hometown uh, in Guadalajara, mm. in Mexico. And uh, so, yeah, uh, he started teaching my older siblings uh, in the backyard of our, of our, of our house, uh, very much, uh, resembling what this last year kind of <laughs> resembled. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You know, he, he built this bar in the, in our patio where we used to like do laundry. Mm-hmm. Uh, he built a bar and we used to put down these, uh, thin sheets of wood. And, uh, that's where my older siblings, uh, first started dancing. Um, uh, one of my brothers, uh, Isaac, uh, who is now a principal dancer at the English National Ballet, uh, he, he started, uh, taking it more seriously than the rest of my siblings. You know, he, he felt like, um, I don't know, I think he liked something about it in a way that my other siblings did not, you know, I, I, it's, dance is not for, for everyone to, to to pursue and you know it's not it's a very demanding uh demanding art form um so so it requires a lot of uh, a lot of work a lot of sacrifice a lot of effort uh and many of my older siblings were like well you know what i'm gonna do other things and which was great for them um but my brother isaac uh he carried on training and and at the time i was too too young to to start dancing. Uh, How much older and, is he than, than you? Cause I went to the rock school with Isaac. So I remember no his, yeah, his like super, super talented. And I remember well, hearing whoa. like, he has this younger brother who's mm. really good too. So how old, what's your age difference? Uh, he's four years older than me. So it's not such a big difference, but uh, he started uh, dancing when he was eight. So I was four years four. old at the time. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, a little young to start. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, so, but he trained with my with my dad for about four years. So throughout those four years that he was training with my dad in our backyard, I was watching him. I was watching them. Uh, and after when, when I turned uh, seven, I actually asked my dad uh, whether he would uh, want to teach me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my dad, uh, I remember uh, it was a really clear conversation that we had because I, I think it kind of took him by surprise because up until that point, um, none of my siblings had asked him to to teach uh, to teach them. Uh, it had been this kind of thing that it was like, okay, well, it's here if you want, you can, but it's it's your choice. Uh, but I really wanted to, uh, to learn, uh, I think from like watching my brother and watching them work and, uh, I love the music. I loved like the, the connection between the movement and the music. Uh, so I, I asked him to, to teach me and, and he, he talked to me and he said, you know, what you're asking me to do, 
you're saying that you want to be a professional ballet dancer. You, you're seven years old. Uh, are you sure that this is what you want? Uh, you know, so he he explained to me, uh, you know, that it's a very difficult profession. It's it's hard to make it. It's a lot of sacrifices. He said, you know, at some point you're probably going to have to leave home uh, to find uh, more opportunities and to to find different teachers and different uh, kind of training. Uh, he said, are, "Are you sure you you want this?" And and I didn't even think about it. I just said, yeah, of course I do. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny that your dad, as someone who literally ran away from home yeah. to get training, <laughs> would be surprised that his own son would have similar um, ambitions and, and passion for ballet. I think that's it's kind of mm -hmm. sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I also, looking back at it, I really appreciated uh, him having that conversation with me because I think like uh, it, in a way kind of gave me um, sort of like realistic expectations mm -hmm. about it, you know, knowing that it was going to be extremely difficult, that uh, in some ways my childhood would be different from uh, most uh, kids' uh, childhoods. Uh, so, so I think I really appreciated that uh, and I really still appreciate uh, knowing what I was getting into. Yeah. That was one thing we wanted to ask you because, you know, like we grew up with parents who didn't know anything about dance. So it was mm. kind of like this uncharted territory for them. They were like, what does this mean? You want to be a ballet dancer, you know? Mm. So, right. um, one of the things we wanted to know from you was like how your dad helped you and led you. And it seems, seems to me that this is probably just one example of how he kind of set your expectations for what it was going to be. He warned you it would be difficult. He warned you of these sorts mm. of things. So how do you feel that that really like set you up for success and allowed you to maybe experience leading into a, becoming a principal dancer in a different way than someone who say hadn't had that fatherly advice? Mm. Yeah, well, I think uh, it was also helpful for me to have my brother uh, ahead of me. I think for for him, it was more of this like uncharted territory because my parents had been outside of the dance world for so long that uh, it was kind of difficult to to figure out what the possibilities would be. So so for me, it was really helpful to have my brother uh, kind of already. Uh, my brother and my parents kind of already uh, have a look into what the dance world was at that at that point right. and and serve as this kind of like point of reference and this kind of like guide uh, into into what the dance world was at that okay. at that uh, particular moment in time. I think what I appreciated and what I appreciate most about uh, my dad and his way of uh, training me was that he always believed in me. Uh, at no point uh, did he uh, doubt that I had uh, the capabilities to do what I, what, what I said I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. uh, even though uh, initially, uh, I, I remember uh, facing a little bit of um, resistance from uh, the dance community, particularly in, in Mexico, uh, because my, my, my brother had been uh, so successful at such a young age and right. he was this kind of like uh, amazing talent that everyone was like, wow, this, this kid is incredible, uh, that I think there was a bit of hesitancy as to whether I could also do it. So the 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 feeling that I got even at that age was that, uh, and 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 I've, I've spoken to my dad about this uh, now, many years later. Uh, and yeah, many many teachers, many of the people that were in the dance community were like, you know, do you really want to do this to to your to your kid? You know, he already ha you already have a brother that uh, he already has a brother that is successful, that is very good. It's going to be very hard for for this uh, kid to kind of live up to those expectations and those kinds of things. But uh, I don't think that my dad ever imposed any of those expectations on me. Mm -hmm. I think he understood that uh, I, I wanted to do it because I genuinely loved it. Right. And I genuinely wanted to, to see it through. 
and and you know, I was uh, I was uh, slightly like a uh, chubbier. And, you know, I had like, yeah, I, I was a kid, you know, right. it's like, it's just things like that, 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 that at that point in the dance world, it was like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, you, you might not fit the certain, like certain par- parameters of like mm-hmm. what, what an ideal dance body uh, is supposed to be or was supposed to be at that, uh, at that point. Um, so it, there was a bit of resistance, but my dad always encouraged me and, and always believed that, uh, that, it, none of that mattered that as long as I uh, I was pursuing it with uh, passion with love and with determination and I was willing to put in the work that I'd be able to to succeed right um, you you mentioned that your dad said uh, in this you know legendary initial speech setting you up for your career that he had <laughs> kind of already mentioned that um, moving away might be something that is necessary eventually. Around mm-hmm. what age did you start to explore the idea of training abroad? And how did that come about? Um, well, uh, when, when I started, uh, when I was seven, uh, my brother was uh, 11. Uh, and uh, so we kind of overlapped at home for about a year. And then he received a scholarship to study at the rock school. Um, and so when he, when he left, uh, every time he would come back and every time that, that I would see him, you know, there was this like uh, huge difference in, you know, I think like new teachers, new environments, uh, especially healthy ones, uh, tend to have that effect on, on people where like uh, they feel like you can just grow in, into that space, uh, and and I, I I remember being able to recognize that in my brother and and wanting the same for for myself or wanting to to be able to have those same opportunities to 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 grow and to uh, yeah to grow and to kind of uh, evolve. So I think when when he left, uh, I I knew that like um i wanted to kind of do the same at some point uh because as much as as my dad was able to offer me at that point in in time uh i think he also understood that uh it was not going to be a forever thing you know he could offer me what he could offer me given the circumstances and given his uh, knowledge and his approach and all of those things. But he also understood that for me to continue growing, uh, I needed to go, I needed to explore different possibilities. I wonder about, um, so for parents who are looking to have their child leave home and go to a ballet school, they do a lot of research and probably the research for most parents is like safety and those sorts of things, which of course the rock Mm -hmm. school has a lot of that, you know, like they have a great dormitory experience, but I would think also that your dad would be very interested in the dance training in particular that Mm -hmm. you two would have gotten there. Um, did he do any sort of like research into that or did he kind of just like when Isaac came back and looked better and better, he's like, oh, he's in Mm -hmm. the right place. I'm just curious about that. Well, because at, at that point, I remember uh, when my brother got the offer to study at the Rock School, he also got an offer to study pretty much everywhere, <laughs> most of the major, most of the major uh, ballet schools. Uh, and uh, the difference was that uh, at the Rock School, the directors, uh, Bo and Stephanie, they understood that uh, we were children. And we were children uh, being asked to leave our families behind and move to a different country and be in a completely different environment at like a, at such a young age. 12, 12 years old is, uh, you're, you're just a kid. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Um, and, and so they understood that and they, uh, uh, they spoke to my parents uh, about that and, and my parents' concerns for our safety and for our development and for us to, to have some kind of uh, connection with our family even far away. So Bon Stephanie offered to uh, uh, allow my sister, my oldest sister, to move uh, to Philadelphia with uh, my brother uh, so that she could act as uh, his guardian and so that he could wow. feel like uh, there was a, a 
part of his family and part of his home right. uh, with him. Uh, and uh, at the time, my sister was not thrilled uh, at all because, you know, she was in, she was about, I think she was 19, 20 years old and she had a, a life in Mexico and, you know, all of these different things and expectations there uh, that to her, it seemed kind of like uh, uprooting her life and moving to a different country to take care of, of, a, of a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot to ask of, of her, uh, of course, but um, I, I think like now talking to her about it, she was like, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Uh, and I think it was also the best thing that could have happened uh, at that point for my brother mm -hmm. uh, to have uh, someone from my family, from our family uh, there with us to take care of us. So I think that that was the main deciding factor that, that they seemed to understand that rather than just uh, uh, worrying about the dance training, you also needed to take into consideration the the, the human side the, right. uh, of things. You know the the fact that we were kids. You're still kids, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you were not shy about taking other leaps of faith. You know, you trained at the Royal Ballet School. You mm. trained at the Pagana Academy at one point. Mm. Um, so the Rock School, right? And yeah. 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 The Rock okay. School. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so. What gave you, um, at such a young age, this, uh, to me, it seems like a fearlessness, you know, <laughs> you're just willing to, for the sake of your training, because you're so in love with ballet, just go dive into these situations that could be pretty daunting for any child or teenager. Well, I mean, I, I think there was still, uh, uh, it's not that I was, that I was fearless, uh, because thinking back at like so many of those experiences, like I, I, I'm now able to recognize that I, I was afraid at many points. Uh, but I think when, when you're a teenager, you don't, you're not always entirely aware of, uh, of what you're feeling and, and how things are impacting you and why you're feeling the way that you're feeling at, uh, at those times. But I think for me, what I always like uh, knew was that uh, I, I was willing to do whatever it took in order for me to, to be able to um, not necessarily be successful because for me, it's never been about uh, uh, like uh, the success uh, aspect of it. But I think I wanted to feel like a, a certain amount of like fulfillment. Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel that I was really um, doing what I wanted to do, what I loved to do, and 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 it, it not necessarily at the expense of everything, because I think uh, it's unreasonable to to sacrifice absolutely everything for mm -hmm. for one one thing as much as uh, as I'm passionate about it I also understand that uh, that there is more to life than just uh, dance than just mm -hmm. ballet um, so but I think yeah I think I I always felt like um, encouraged and supported and 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 I think that was the most important like a aspect for me to feel that that it was okay for me to not succeed uh but knowing that if i didn't if anything happened that i i could count on my family and i could count on my friends and i could count on my teachers uh for for support yeah so we've talked a lot about your training how did you start to what was your first um foray into the professional world of ballet hmm. Uh, yeah, so when when I graduated from uh, the Royal Ballet School, uh, I got an offer to come dance here at the San Francisco Ballet, uh, and I I immediately accepted it because I had you know my brother had danced here uh, at a certain point, and and I had come to to visit him and spend some time here. I knew the I knew some of the dancers and uh, the staff because uh, I, I had been allowed to take classes with the company uh, a few times. Uh, and I always liked, uh, I, I enjoy, I liked the environment. 
uh, I liked that it seemed like a very uh, close community. Um, so when I got the uh, the offer to come to come join the the company, I, I didn't even think about it. I just uh, I agreed. Um, I mean, I, I think. Well, I, I, maybe that's not entirely entirely <laughs> accurate because you know I did study at the Royal Ballet School. So whenever you are you spend that amount of time uh, in like a, an institution, right. especially something like the Royal Ballet School, and the way that the that the curriculum and the training is there, it kind of uh, makes you feel like uh, the Royal Ballet is the only place that uh, that you should aspire to. We to we know about in. these things with with yeah. dance schools yeah <laughs> yeah uh and did did you not get in there because we like to talk about this too like kind of some disappointments that happen along the way that then lead you to the right place for you so that i'm guessing didn't work out then and was that like a yeah. big disappointment for you i'm guessing uh yeah i mean for me uh, i remember like uh, my last year in uh, at the school i i wanted to dance in in the uk uh, that was kind of like what I had been kind of uh, prepared to do. Right. Uh, it was the Royal Ballet, the English National Ballet, uh, or Birmingham Royal Ballet. Right. Uh, you know, those were like the, the main three dance companies there. And um, none of those worked out for me. And and I remember like uh, at the time feeling like a little bit upset, a little bit disappointed. Um, but I was like, you know what? That's, that's okay. I think like I, I can start somewhere else and then maybe down the line I'll, I'll get an opportunity to come back at some point right. or something like that so uh so yeah my my intention was uh, i've been at the san francisco ballet for eight years now yeah and and i don't think that at that point when i first moved here i expected to be here for sure. as long as i as i have been uh and i am extremely thankful that i did not uh get into those companies not mm -hmm. not for any other reason but uh just a simple fact that uh i got to experience a whole different set of uh of experiences and right. got to dance completely different things that maybe i wouldn't have gotten to dance over there mm -hmm. i've gotten to work with some amazing people choreographers my colleagues my co-workers i feel like the the san francisco ballet uh, at that point was uh, kind of like uh, the end, close to the end of like a, a, a generation. Right. So I got to be there for uh, for kind of like the changing of guard, sure. uh, where all of these like superstars that I had always admired, uh, I still got to dance with them and I got to learn from them and I got to be on stage with them. But then uh, at a certain point, uh, they retired, they left, and and it kind of all of a sudden it started to become my responsibility and the responsibility of the people that had entered the company at the same time as me. It, it was our responsibility now to kind of fill in those gaps and, and kind of become those, uh, those people that we once had admired. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, this, this might be a tiny bit off subject, but I'm wondering um, if, your father met your present-day director, Helgi Thomason, as they both danced at Harkness. Did they know each other before? Uh, I think they, they because I've, I've spoken to my dad about this, and uh, I think they, they crossed paths, but uh, not necessarily, I think they were there at, at different times. Right. Uh, but yeah, kind of a funny I always, little, you know. Yeah, connection there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I feel like uh, at that point in time, Harkness was the place to be, uh, you know, so many amazing dancers trained there and, and passed through there. Uh, so, so, yeah. Yeah. So what were some of your first opportunities then um, that came at your time at San Francisco Ballet? Uh, so my first year in the company uh, for the opening night uh, gala, uh, our, uh, our opening night gala, um, uh, Johan Coburg, uh, came to set uh, Le Lutan, uh, which is like a piece for three three dancers, two two men and one woman, and uh, it's really fun. He created it, I think, on Stephen McRae and uh, Sergei Polunin mm. and Alina Kojokaru, I believe, were the originals. 
Um, and uh, this piece was meant to uh, to be danced by uh, Gennady Nedvigin mm -hmm. uh, and Joan Boada. Mm -hmm. um, and Joan Boada. Uh, and uh, Joan uh, got injured uh, right before, like a week before uh, the, the opening night. And uh, I had been in the studio because I, uh, I think jo uh, Johan sort of knew of me because of the Royal Ballet School connection. And right. I'd seen him dance many times and all those different things. Uh, so I was in the studio learning and like understudying it along with uh, uh, another friend of mine, Max. Uh, but I happened to be learning Joan's part. Right. Uh, so a week before the the gala, uh, they were like, okay, well, John's not going to be able to make it, so you're on. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember being like, oh, okay, cool, all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I I I think like uh, for me, I I came with like this desire to just do everything and as much as I could, and I felt very capable and all of these different things. But it's such a different uh, thing to think that you can, and then to actually have to do it and be there and have to deal with all of the different uh, pressures and expectations and uh, challenges that come with, uh, with being at the front and being like a, performing a principal or soloist uh, role. So I think that was my first experience of like, oh, am I actually going to be able to do this or do I just think that I can't, you know, so right. there's like a certain amount of doubt. Yeah. So you'd had tons of performing experience before this point and some, you know, some dancers don't always get that luxury. So were you, what were you, was your mindset when you first started to get these opportunities where you're like, oh, I've got this performing is totally in my wheelhouse. Like I'm good. Or was there still those like butterflies and nerves that we all get? Uh, I mean, I think up until this point, I still have <laughs> those things, you know, because because like I said, I think I think particularly since becoming a principal dancer and, and now getting the chances to do things that like I've always wanted to do and things that I've always thought that I, I'd be able to do. Uh, but then now actually being faced with them and, and getting a chance to do them, it's, uh, it's a very humbling experience because in a way it, it allows me to to realize that I have a very long way to go still <laughs> uh, you know because uh, I, I think like um, people tend to think that uh, the end goal is to kind of become a principal dancer and uh, once you become a principal dancer everything just magically uh, kind of like fits into place and 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 I found that yeah uh, becoming a principal dancer kind of creates this platform for you to then develop yourself further through the things that you are now going to get to dance and going to get to explore and going to get to perform. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I remember like having some moments, my first year, I also, uh, I got thrown into Alexei Radmansky's uh, From Foreign Lands, mm -hmm. which uh, is a piece that was made for mostly principals. Mm -hmm. uh, in, and, uh, and I remember it, the, the ballet starts in, in a circle in silence where you're all facing each other and you're kind of like dancing uh, in silence. Uh, and I remember being on stage and the curtain going up and me looking around at the people that I was standing next to. I mean, like, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, should I really be out here? You know, because I, I, I remember feeling like um, the, the presence of all of right. the dancers around me. I mean, I, I think I had like Sofia and Silv. Uh, mm. Across from me, I had uh, uh, Luke Ingham, also principal. Right. I think I had Gennady next to me, uh, Francis Chung, mm. uh, all super, like right. superstars of, of the company. Uh, that uh, and I was just a kid. I was, I think, uh, I was uh, nineteen. Uh, <laughs> and, and even though I had had plenty of opportunities to dance and plenty of stage experience, it's a completely different experience uh, doing it professionally and, and doing these uh, pieces from these choreographers and, and dancing with these experienced um, dancers. 
So yeah, I definitely had a lot of uh, humbling experiences like that, uh, where I was like, whoa, like that's what being a, a professional dancer is, right. is being able to be in these situations and, and face them and, and, and kind of like rise to the occasion. Right, yeah. So as we were saying, you, you've been performing your whole life and then last year kind of you know, threw everything off the rails for everyone. <laughs> Uh, what were some ways that you still were able to find an artistic outlet um, since theaters were closed? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I think um, we were in the middle of, uh, we had just opened uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, right. uh, Balanchine's Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, and I think uh, for the opening night, I, I, I was playing Puck. And then uh, the, next, uh, the next performance that we were supposed to do, I was supposed to play Oberon. Mm -hmm. um, we, at the end of the, of the first show that we did, uh, we all gathered on stage and we were told that the run was canceled, right. uh, that everything was shutting down, uh, but that we would try to uh, gather uh, the next week or in a couple of days to try to film a version uh, with a different cast. Uh, so I ended up still getting to play Oberon uh, right. for the recording uh, that we did, which was was really cool. But I think like none of us really thought that it was going to be this like years long right. situation. You know, we were all assuming that oh, we'll we'll be, we'll be back in a couple of months, uh, probably like for the end of our of our season, we'll get to do Romeo and Juliet. And just like it'll it'll be okay. Right. Uh, so immediately, I uh, you know I kept I kept training. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I I my built a bar a ballet bar in my apartment in my living room and uh um my friend and and also dancer uh, at the san francisco ballet diego cruz he put together uh what uh, became uh, worldwide uh, ballet classes mm -hmm. uh which became this this like amazing space for dancers from all over the world to kind of like connect and and uh and get continue training and getting these amazing classes during this time whenever i opened my venmo up you know how it says like who people are paying it was all yeah. like worldwide ballet class <laughs> yeah worldwide class. i was like everyone class. is taking this class yeah uh, i mean it was amazing that uh i think it was something that like people needed at that particular point in time you know to feel like uh like you were still in this together like uh and i think in a way it, uh, the pandemic did at least at the time it seemed like it brought uh, the dance community closer you know because we all had to rally together and be like okay well we can't do what we usually do but what else can we do right. in order to maintain this uh this sense of uh, community and 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 find something for for us to continue feeling uh, fulfilled mm -hmm. so uh i i kept dancing and and then uh diego asked if i if i'd be willing to teach uh, once in a while i had taught a, uh, a couple of times at the rock summer program mm -hmm. and and also for my parents uh, students back in mexico uh so i was like okay yeah sure i'll give it a go uh and and it actually became this amazing uh other outlet uh, for me, you know, it, it challenged uh, me in different ways uh, to kind of come up with um, classes uh, in for like limited spaces and classes that like anybody would be able to do anywhere, uh, anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, uh, it was really fun. And it was a really great way to connect with like it, uh, some of my classmates from the Royal Ballet School, some of my classmates from the Rock School, oh, uh, you know, they all, they would all show up to take my classes. And then eventually oh. uh, some of my teachers from, from the Royal Ballet School, uh, one in particular, uh, Meili Spakri, he was my first year teacher. Uh, he was invited to teach uh, at uh, Worldwide Ballet class. So uh, it became this like amazing thing, this amazing community where uh, all of his former classmates, uh, all of his former students and, and people from different generations uh, would show up and we would all be dancing in our homes, mm -hmm. but also together. And to be able to, to have that was yeah. a really special thing. Um, so for me, it helped, uh, to feel like, 
um, I remember being somewhat excited at the beginning of the of the pandemic because I was like, this is an opportunity like 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 nothing else. I mean, it is a terrible situation, but also if you look at it in a positive way, it, we're now having time to do things that we would normally not have the time right. to do. Yeah. So what am I going to do with this time? How am mm -hmm. I going to use it uh, to feel like, like I'm not just passing time and uh, yeah. like this year is just for nothing. Like uh, I, I wanted to feel like uh, I was still moving forward, even though we were not able to, to continue moving forward. And, uh, and in a way, it was good for my mental health to to have some kind of structured. I start I started doing uh, yoga also, which nice. was amazing because it, <laughs> it it felt like such a. I had always uh, thought about it and considered it, and many people had recommended it to me, but I'd never really taken the time to explore it. Yeah, so I started I like at the very beginning. Yeah, it's amazing, <laughs> and it's such a great complement for dance because mm. it's uh, it's like strengthening, but it's also uh, you you use your flexibility a lot and and it actually changed the way that uh my body feels and that my body moves and it works see michael uh, i keep telling you <laughs> she, she showed me actually we've been we've been doing yoga um cool yeah um so yeah i mean i think i just tried to find as many outlets as, as i could uh we were doing some projects with the with the ballet uh uh to kind of maintain some kind of presence I think it was necessary to 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 show that uh, we were not just giving up, that we were still uh, pushing forward. Uh, at some point, I recreated a whole solo uh, by Yuri Posakov in my in my apartment. Wow. Uh, I filmed uh, I filmed it, and uh, it was uh, edited it together, and it, it was it ended up like uh, just being a good way for me to learn about different different things right. um and then eventually we started uh filming things for our digital season right uh once things started to open up and we were able to come back into the studios in some capacity uh i also continued teaching uh in person uh for the san francisco ballet mm -hmm. which was also really really cool and a really amazing experience to be able to share that with the people that i work with uh, it ended up turning into a more full-time thing than I expected it to at that time. Is this for the company or for the school? For the company. So because because we were split up in 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 small into groups pods, at first. Right. Yeah, I first started teaching my pod of six, and then as we were allowed to uh, to move into larger pods, I started teaching more people and more people. And uh, I I mean there were some weeks where I was teaching every single day uh, for a group of 35, 45 wow. dancers in the company. So, so it became this like, okay, like now I feel like I have a, a, a new skill and I have developed uh, uh, this skill uh, to a point where like I can, I can see myself maybe doing this in some, in some capacity in the right, future. Right. Um, awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. been really cool. So, Luckily for all of us, um, San Francisco Ballet is making it back on stage very soon. So you'll be performing at Stanford University on the 13th and 14th of August this month. Um, mm -hmm. It's a beautiful amphitheater. It's outside. Can you tell us a little bit about what the program is going to be and what you will be dancing yourself? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be my first uh, live performance in front of like a Yay! big oh, audience. So it's really cool. I mean, it's amazing that uh, after last year, we're finally making it back on stage as a company and as a, as a group. Uh, it's, a, it's a big program. Uh, I believe uh, the company is doing Serenade. Uh, um, as well as uh, Helgi's uh, fifth season, and then there's like a smaller uh, kind of like a gala section of the of the performance, uh, and in that I'm going to be doing uh, Tarantella. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you're talking about Balanchine's Tarantella, I presume. Yes, Balanchine's which Tarantella, which is very yes. what we call puffy. You know, it, it's it's a hard thing to get through. So. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, it sounds like you've been casting things like this from the get-go, these sort of like (laughs) stamina-busting, virtuoso things. But after, you know, uh, basically a year and a half off stage, do you have to prepare any differently? Do you feel like you had to treat your body a little differently to get your stamina back up to that level? Um, Well, you know, curiously, I feel like uh, I'm in a better place physically than I was uh, before yoga. before having it's a the break. Yoga. It's the yoga. <laughs> we keep hearing that from dancers, though. Um, currently, we're at Vail Dance Festival. It's wrapping up soon, but we've a lot of dancers have been telling us that that like the cross treatment they've been doing, they actually feel like really great, and all the dancers look great. So I'm I, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, I think it's a combination of that and also uh, rest. Mm-hmm. I think like since my schedule has not been as intense uh, as it normally is, I feel like I've been able to find a kind of balance between uh, like working and pushing and really like uh, training hard, but also having time to recover where as like, uh, the way our season works, it's a, it's very condensed. We go from program to program to program to program to program over right. the course of uh, of five months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at some points of that, you you feel like uh, like your body is extremely exhausted, and and so sometimes like it's difficult to feel, like. Of course, you feel strong and you feel like you're in great shape and all of that, but you don't always have the um enough time to recover right so i think for me that has played a big part uh in in kind of this whole process that we've been able to continue working mostly like rehearsing and learning reps that we're going to be performing later on but in those rehearsals and in in learning all of that uh like pushing myself uh as if i was getting ready to perform it tomorrow uh but also having the time to rest and recover has made a huge uh huge difference so yeah i i don't know i i first learned tarantella i think like five years ago uh from uh elise Bourne, which i felt really lucky to to learn it from uh at that time i I, um yeah may, may she rest in peace but uh, it was a really fun uh, experience to learn to learn it from her. And I remember at the time having such a hard time <laughs> with it and feeling like, how can anyone truly have fun when this is like so <laughs> difficult and so tiring, so exhausting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the more that I've done it, I've learned to to uh, not necessarily pace myself, but I think I've, I have a better understanding of my body and what I need to do and how much I need to push and how much I don't need to push mm-hmm. and where I can I can rest. I think like that's been one of the greatest lessons of like my professional career. Right. I tend to I tend to I think like when I first started I tend to put maximum effort in mm-hmm. everything at all times, and and now I'm like oh you know. I think it makes for a well-rounded dancer when when you can see someone that rather than being 100% like ah, right. all the time, it's a bit overwhelming uh, to find these kinds of like ups, ups and downs and, mm-hmm. and different layers to, to what dance can be. Uh, so now th- this time around, I'm working uh with uh sandra jennings mm-hmm. uh uh we love who, Sandy. yeah yeah she's amazing uh yeah. i uh, uh we, i worked with her on midsummer night's dream and that was I an was amazing experience yeah, she, yeah. She's, she's staged midsummer for us in miami city ballet oh very so, cool yeah yeah and I, yeah. I had sandy at san francisco ballet school when i was 15 no so way we're, we're, we love awesome. sandy we go we, everyone yeah. goes way back with sandy <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she she's really lovely, and and I love like uh, um, all of the knowledge that she has uh, like stored, and all the different stories that 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 she has about uh, when she danced uh, New York City Ballet, and uh, when she learned like uh, uh, the ballets from from Balanchine and from all mm-hmm. of the different people that that she worked with. It's it's been really fun and and so it's been really fun to work on uh, on Tarantella because Tarantella kind of like 
uh, everybody does a, diff a slightly different version of it, sure. uh, you know, and I think the more that you do it, you kind of find your own version. Uh, but it's been fun because we've been going back to the originals uh, and, and we've been looking at all of these videos and mm -hmm. we have, uh, she's shown me footage from like Eddie Vilela to Helgi mm -hmm. to Misha to all sorts of different people doing yeah. doing it. And we've been kind of taking bits and pieces from everywhere, but mm -hmm. also being extremely specific about uh, how it uh, how it, uh, it should be done and the kind of like um, the intention behind sure. uh, all of it, mm -hmm. uh, which may not seem like there's too much in something like Tarantella because, you know, you just feel like it's just dance for the sake of dance right but but i think uh she was she shared a video with with uh me and my partners i'm dancing with uh, sasha de sola um, yeah sasha's yeah. great uh and of uh eddie villela coaching it at miami mm -hmm. city ballet yeah. uh oh. yeah <laughs> those are friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think that was sarah alex, uh, sarah alex and, as wong. and alex wong yeah yeah, yeah alex wong and uh, and and he's talking about how it's like these are two uh, flirtatious young people who are uh, coming into this uh, town square uh, to to entertain and to show people uh, like a, a good time and 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 then she, he talks about uh, how the tarantella comes from. Uh, the idea of uh, when people would get uh, bitten by tarantulas, <laughs> that in order to to kind of shake the venom off, you had to dance frantically, uh, and that's where the concept of like the the tarantella comes from. Anyway, it's it's interesting to hear all of these little things because I think like uh, they add different layers to 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 the to the dance, uh, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. Have you ever performed at Stanford before? No, uh, I believe it's been several decades since a ballet performed at Stanford. Wow. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty, new. I mean, I, I love, they have such an incredible program coming up, but of course it makes the most sense to start with San Francisco Ballet and with such a great, mm -hmm. a really well-balanced program. I love, you know, you've got the balance sheet in there. And like you mentioned, it's like that tradition is passed down through people who either originated the roles or people who work directly with mm -hmm. Balanchine. And then you have things mm -hmm. like Helgi's own work. So it's a, it's a program mm -hmm. that really says like who San Francisco ballet is. It sounds like. Yes. Yeah. yeah without a doubt. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us. And we, we just hope you have the best time ever out there coming back after a year and a half. And I mean, that what better thing to, to come back to than Tarantella as hard as it is, <laughs> it's just like a smile for the body and yeah. the audience and, um, we wish that we could see you in it ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think like there's always a certain amount of like a, uh, I think since it's been so long, it's a, there's a certain amount of like anxiety involved. Like, uh, do I remember how to do this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, I think it was the same with like so many of the things that we recorded for our digital season, like uh, Emeralds. We actually got to be on our stage. Uh, without an audience, but we actually right. got to be back on our stage, and it was this kind of feeling like, oh God, like, am I going to remember how to do this? Is it going to be? Uh, how is it going to be? So I'm curious to see how how it feels uh, after after such a long time, and, and yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Well, we love San Francisco Ballet and we love the energy of the company and we're sure the energy will be off the charts this weekend in Stanford. <laughs> and so audiences are in for a treat and we hope that whoever's in the area will take their time out and go check it out. Get back to live dance outside safely. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for your time. It was so great chatting with you. Yeah, thank you for having me again. It's been really fun. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.